Welcome to Catch Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis, your intrepid, very intrepid <laughs> reporter from the Florida Keys. This week's episode is number 64, titled, Tis the Season. Big news. Big, big news. My book is out. Yes, my new book is out. Take a Kid Fishing, an adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling is now available on my website at catchoutdoors.com. Go to the site and then click on page four to order. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Finally, I'm very proud of this. I really am. I, I got it in my hands the other day when it got, got to the house. I went through it. And, man, I, this is my third book. And I'm not going to say I'm getting better at it. It's just that this particular subject was something that I really, really, really wanted to do. Um, on the order page, I've also added both of my earlier books for purchase with discounts for the holidays, just so you know. Uh, the discounts also include shipping. Uh, these copies are signed and shipped uh, directly from me. All of them are. These are not available. Well, the other two are available on Amazon, but if you want a signed copy, uh, you got to get it from me. And the supplies are obviously limited on the first two books. I had a reshipment done so I could supply some other people with books that wanted originals. So there you go. Um, and there are some left. And the new book is there only. It will, it'll, the new book will wind up on Amazon eventually. It's probably going to be three or four weeks, probably after Christmas before it actually goes up on Amazon. The paperwork and all that fun stuff takes a while, but, but we'll get it there. Um, I've also made a concerted effort to bombard my Facebook page of Catch Outdoors with posts, mostly harmless, beautiful photos of the Florida Keys and the great outdoors. Uh, I really appreciate you taking a look and sharing it with your friends, especially if you see something you like. It helps me a bunch to spread the word about the, the podcast and my books. Okay, I got a whole bunch of um, pre-subjects to cover before getting into the main subject this on this week's podcast. Another reason why I added another 15 minutes. So there you go. I get to prattle. Um, I, I need to add another quote, uh, save the earth uh, recommendation. Okay. Uh, I, I did a, the podcast last week was about the Everglades and it was about the quality of water and some of the issues that we're having across Florida and other areas. And um, I attended a talk last night down in Ala Mirada by a um, group called the Surf Rider Foundation. And quite frankly, I never heard of them. And I don't, I, I just, they're huge. They're, they're US wide, number one. They started in California, thus the name Surf Rider. That's what they pulled the name from. And it's a, it's a water quality um, group about all kinds of water quality issues, everything from, you know, the sewer issues, too many people, runoff, fertilizers, all the other junk that kind of goes with water. And I talked a lot about that last week, so I'm not going to go into it again. But that's what Surfrider does. But I found it very interesting because they have um, a, a tons of outlets all across the U.S. that are fighting the same problems that we're fighting here in Florida. And they and they have a, a Key West representation, or, or Florida Keys, I should say, representation. So I thought that was really cool. They, uh, they presented a whole series of films, which were good. And then at the end, they had, after the film presentations, they had a question and answer section, uh, also excellent, well done. Uh, they basically have two veins that they coincide that consult, that coincide with the environment. Um, one is about conservation and cleanup of water, which 
captains for clean water, that kind of stuff. It all falls into place. But the other one I found really interesting was the obtaining of, of seafood, um, presenting it in a way that works with restaurants. In other words, what they're trying to do is, is preservation of seafood and making sure that the seafood is har- harvested with sustainability. And that is definitely an issue. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And so I, I, I thought it was interesting that this group has been doing this for a long time. Um, long story short, why is that important? Well, those of you who've been around long enough or old enough We'll remember back when canned tuna became a problem, tuna fish, which we would get in the stores, uh, typically, you know, make tuna fish sandwiches and things like that with. Uh, they were accidentally catching bottlenose dolphin with them, as well as porpoise and things like that were being caught in the nets and killed uh, to obtain tuna for the tuna fish market. And there was a huge stink. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. And people found out about it like you have got to be. So guess what? They stopped buying tuna. Well, that's pretty much all it took to get the things to change around to where it became uh, dolphin free and porpoise free. Um, and that was one of the first ones that I personally remember. I also um, remember when swordfish uh, became a problem with availability just due to over overfishing by commercial fishermen. Um, and over time, regulations were set and swordfish actually made a comeback. And and the reason I remember that one so much is because I, I really love swordfish. It is one of my favorite fish to eat. Um, it's like a steak instead of, instead of a soft fish, like, like yellowtail or mango snapper or something like that. It's, it's a firm, pop it on the grill and put grill marks on it. I mean, it's really, really good. But over time, we've pulled them out. As a matter of fact, people here in Florida now, uh, there is recreational sword fishing. Um, it's a technical sport because your your swords typically in daylight, which is when people fish for them typically, are on the bottom in about a 1,000 feet of water. So it becomes a real trick with heavy, heavy lead lines, leaded lines, um, huge weights, uh, power reels, you know, power-assisted reels, things like that. So but anyway, we are getting them, and now they're available in the stores here in the uh, in the Keys, and so we can turn this stuff around. Surfrider is working to research the problem and to offer alternative fish to the table. That's basically what they're saying. Okay, look, this fish is a problem. Like, like I happen to know grouper is an issue right now. It has been for quite some time, and grouper south southwest Florida, especially well, all of South Florida, is known for grouper sandwiches. I mean, that's just been that's been a staple for years, and so. Uh, that's where that's where surf riders coming in saying, look, there are other fish that you can put out there that there are plenty of that a lot of people don't bother to eat or just overlook. And I totally agree. So I found it interesting. So look them up. Look them up on the web. Surf Surf Rider Foundation. They've got a very large web presence, so easy enough to find information about them. Weather here in Key Largo was nearly perfect this past week. Lows around 70, highs about 81, very little rain. It hasn't cooled off yet. It's trying. It's trying. If you're looking for an escape from colder weather, now would be a good time. Crowds are minimal until after the holidays, and then it's holy moly, Katie bar the door. Well, you know. But right now, it's pretty laid back. As it, you know, it's funny. I wondered what it would be like living in the Keys because Janelle and I very seldom ever came down here at Christmas time. We had way too many things going on, either on the west coast of Florida when we lived there or up in Fort Lauderdale. So it was, you know, it's a crazy time. Uh, when I was guiding in Southwest Florida, there was a huge drop off in customers at Christmas time. It just 
they just dried up. They had too many other things going on, like most people do. And so they didn't think much about it. Keys are the same way. Key Largo is right now is quite quiet. You can go into most any restaurant you want to, walk in, get a table. Uh, so if you're in the area, you're thinking about traveling to come down and visit, maybe to squeeze in a pre-Christmas visit, you know, pre-holiday visit for that matter, all the holidays, it's, it's pretty good. It will get nutty. Usually most of these areas get pretty crazy after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, that week, people will vacation and do it then. And then, of course, after that, when January, February, the more it snows up north, the busier we're going to be. So that's that's the way it is. So uh, I did get out fishing. Um, the full moon was on the 7th, and I think I fished the day before that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I was on the water last Tuesday. I was on the day that the, the other podcast came out. Um Almost every single cast I threw got attacked. It was awesome. <laughs> That's all I can say. There were a lot of kudas, but I did manage to pick up a few uh, mangrove snapper, and I also got uh, one, I'll call it a miniature snook. Well, no, he's just small. He's like maybe 14 inches. I was looking for something twice that size, but that's what I got, and I'll take it. Um, but the kudas were amazing. I got one that was uh, close to four feet in length. Uh, he dragged me around in the kayak, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was really, it was just an incredible day. I, I fished soft plastics. Uh, most of the time I had on a gulp swimming mullet pinned to a, a jig head um, and tossing. It didn't matter where, honestly. The points were good. Points of mangroves, mangroves up under the bushes was also good. But, but I, you know, there were errant casts where I dropped way short of the, you know, you bump your finger on the line or something and your cast lands halfway between me and the, and the, and the shoreline or the mangrove line and, and it got attacked when it hit the water. I mean, these fish were everywhere and it was pretty constant. The only drawback was it was breezy. Uh, I got wet. Um, kayaks have a tendency when you're trying to go into the wind and you have a chop, the chop breaks over the bow pretty consistently. So, you know, but whatever, that's kayaking. That's why, you, you know, that's why down here you put a bathing suit and a t-shirt on when you go, because you know, that's probably going to happen to you. Water temperatures still up there, 77, 78 degrees. Haven't dropped a bit yet. We're starting to get cooler nights. Uh, last night, temperature was 71 uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, I noticed hit, uh, in the sixties last night, 67, 68 low temperatures. So we are getting it. It's just, these fronts are coming down across Florida and they are just quitting at Lake Okeechobee. They're just basically stopping. Um, you know, whatever. So go snorkeling. <laughs> so yeah, put the swimsuit on and go swimming. You, you're not going to need a, a heated pool right now. I, I shouldn't complain. We're all living on, we're all living on island time, right? I heard the best, I, that boy, that jogged my brain. That, that happens at this age. Um, <laughs> I, I heard the coolest quote the other day uh, from somebody on the radio. I was listening to one of the tropical channels, I call them. You know, it was either Buffett or Kenny Chesney or something. I don't remember. But somebody on there came up and said, you know, the definition of island time is really wrong. People think that island time means we move slow. They think that island time means we show up late for meetings or we show up late to work or, you know, you're on island time. That's not what it was about. And I love the fact that this lady, lady mentioned that when she was making comments about it. She might have been a DJ. I'm not really sure. But it doesn't mean laid back. Uh, it, it, it means and it doesn't mean slow or not showing up on time or taking a siesta in the middle of the day. What it really means is you're getting the most out of life. 
um, island time is about doing things. A lot of endeavors that you would never do in the city. It, it means staying busy doing what you love. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, boating, beaching, diving, snorkeling, and fishing. And, you know, I know one thing. Nobody wants to be late to go fishing. <laughs> so island time does not, that, that terminology doesn't apply. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. So island time is actually time to do all the things that you love to do. There, there's your Captain Rob's philosophical moment today. Okay, finally, the subject. <laughs> this is the season. Uh, this podcast. Yes, that's the name. Holidays are seriously upon us, and it's uh, it's time to get the, the shopping done and the cards mailed. I'm happy to say the card mailing part has happened in my house, so yay. Well, they, they dribble out, you know, you, you go, oh, I've, I forgot to send so-and-so a card, so you do that. You know how that goes. Package wrapping is happening, I think, as we speak. Janelle, I think, is wrapping right now. Um, and then I'll go on good old Amazon, you know, because I have people living well out of state, and uh, I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do about that. So I often ask, get asked about gifts um, for the outdoor person, and that's really easy for me, but seems to be kind of tough for others. And of course, that's because I'm an outdoors person. I, I can think of the things that I'd like to have or add to an inventory or own or whatever, simple stuff too, you know, but... Um, Ask the likely person what they might like. Simple. I know. Just just do it. <laughs> you know, you've got an outdoors person that likes, for example, biking. You know, you can certainly give them a shout. Hey, you know, I, you know, I know you're interested in bicycling. Is there something that you'd like to have for the bike or for you for bicycling? I mean, it's pretty. It opens up a whole world of stuff. You can go online too and simply type in the word bicycling uh, accessories, and you'll get more than you bargained on. Um, same thing with just about any sport that's out there. Is, is you should be able to you should be able to do that. Now, I understand that if you're trying to keep it a secret, then the last thing you want to do is, is drop that question on somebody. I remember one time I asked my wife, Janelle, um, what don't you want? <laughs> that felt fill me in on what she may need and not just want, which is an important detail, especially at you know times of the holiday. And so keep, keep all that in mind. Most of the main items a sportsman uses are purchased by them, by that person. Uh, with personal preference in mind. So I would advise you not go there. Um, let's see, how can I explain this? In other words, uh, let's pick on golf for a minute. No golf clubs. And the reason I say that, you could get every kind of golf accessory, but no golf clubs. Um, and when you do accessories, of course, it's going to have to be something that every single golfer would like, not not the individual. Um, golf clubs are, well, like fishing rods. They're personal. They are fitted. They are sized. They are left hand or right hand. I mean, you could go on and on and on. And a person who's shopping for a golf club is looking for like that one club. Like for me personally, I had a nice set of clubs. <laughs> I gave up golf. They're gone now. Yes, they've been donated. Um, but the only thing that I shot for was a driver. 
as the years went by, the drivers continuously changed. And I mean, they got better and better and better. First of all, the faces got a lot bigger, which helped me a lot. Uh, I have a notorious slice. I think that's why I gave up golf. I'm just like, okay, I can't do this. I've tried. It just doesn't work. My short game was great. I could chip and get things really close to the hole in the green, but oh Lord, my, my, uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about it. It just was not good. And it, and, and it became not fun. And if it's going to be not fun, I don't want to do it. But golf clubs are a very personal purchase. The people that use them know pretty much exactly what they want. They, um, yeah. So, and I might as well say fishing rods, fishing rods are a serious problem. You, first of all, you could be stealthy and go out and see, what your man or your woman has that she or he likes to use. In other words, they've probably got one that you see them fish all the time. Well, it sure would be easy if you wanted to get them another one. And they are not going to object to that, by the way. <laughs> Most fishermen love having four of everything. If you've seen garages and basements. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, they've got a rod that you see them fish all the time. You've been out. That's that's the one they're always picking up. Hey, it's got stuff written all over it. It's really easy to figure out what it is. Number one, you know the brand. You also know how long it should be because there's a foot measurement on it telling you how long it is. It'll tell you what type of rod it is. Is it is it a fast rod, a medium, medium fast, super fast, things like that. That's written right on it. And then the weight of the rod is written on it. Is it a heavy, a medium, stuff like that. So you have all you need right there in front of you to get a brand new fishing rod for somebody. But I would not go out and randomly just buy a rod. That's not going to work. Same thing for fishing reels. They've probably got that. They probably have that rod equipped with a favorite fishing reel. So it's pretty easy to double up if you want to go that route. Um, you know, it's, Again, it's very personal to the person who went out and got the rod and they eventually, I know I'm like that. I mean, I have, I'm down to, when I was guiding, there were, I'm embarrassed to say hundreds of rods. Um, I have farmed them out. I've sold them. I gave my brother a bunch of them, you know, so the family has them. That way when he has guests, he has to be able to take people fishing, stuff like that. So over time, you know, I managed to whittle it down to three or four manufacturers. And I have the ones that I always go on the kayak with, plain and simple. Same thing with fly rods and fly equipment. It's always the same rod over and over again. I just, I just don't, I don't waver. And I would have to say, this might be speaking out of turn here, but I'd have to say most anglers, that's they have their favorites and they stick with their favorites. They very seldom go any other way unless they happen to run into one on their own <laughs> that feels better. You know, it's like, whoa, okay, this rod's a little lighter. It feels like the one I've been fishing with for years, but ooh, it's better. Um, so I, I think I'd stay away from the fishing rods for gifts unless you can mimic the one, one that they already own. Now, if anybody should want to get me a fishing rod, <laughs> I'm personally uh, very, very fond of Fitzgerald. There, See, now write that down. Not for me, but write it down for you. It took me a long time to narrow down to this one rod that I really, really like. And Fitzgerald just makes it. It's a Florida company, small. They got started in the bass business with bass rods, uh, which are fantastic. I don't bass fish, but all the bass fishermen like swear by these things. They finally came out with a spin rod, and I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time and get one of the first ones. And let me tell you what it is. that I love that rod. Absolutely love it. And they only make about two or three models, and they're all relatively the same. So I'm not going to send you. I say you got to get number such and such. Um, 
So Fitzgerald, just keep it in mind. You know, I, I accept gifts, just not bribes. And there's another one I was thinking of the other night uh, when I was coming up with this podcast. So what's a, what's something else that's really personal? Kayak paddles. I know this sounds weird, but I kayak. And my very first kayak was a Tarpon 160, which, by the way, was much too big. I found that out the hard way. You know, I, I didn't do what I tell other people to do now. Of course, I didn't know any better. Go try the kayaks. For example, over in Fort Myers, is a there's a... Uh, Stero River Outfitters. Man, my brain stopped. <laughs> Stero River Outfitters off uh, US 41, down in Stero, obviously. Um, they they are great. I mean, they got zillions of kayaks by zillions of different people trying one out. So anyway, I got this tarpon 160. I've tried fishing out. First of all, it was too long. 16 feet is not good for fishing. 12 feet's much better, just so you know. Um, again, that's personal preference, I know. Um, but what I really noticed about this thing was the paddle. The paddle was heavy. I mean, it was just heavy. You, you couldn't go more than an hour and a half, 90 minutes with that daggone paddle. So I paddle shopped. Um, went right back to the Stair River Outfitters and bought a very lightweight graphite paddle. Now, these things are not cheap. A really good paddle, a paddle may run you $69, $79, $89. A graphite's going to be three times that much money. Um, but you can paddle all day long with it. It's like a feather. And, you know, so that was my first learning curve, other than the fact that the thing was too long. Then I bought a 12-foot kayak. I don't remember the brand, but I bought a 12-foot. That was much better, but it was too heavy. Um, It was a chunky thing. And then I wound up in the Hobies. And the Hobies were because a friend of mine fished Hobies, two friends, Dave and uh, Mike fished Hobies, took me fishing in an extra Hobie they had. And that's all it took. I mean, those guys should be selling Hobies is what they should be doing. Um, first of all, I took the paddle completely out of my hand and put pedals underneath my feet, which are wonderful when you're fishing. So back to the original thought. You could buy a paddle for somebody. I don't think they'd object to getting a real fancy graphite paddle from you. But again, that's one of those personal items. And sporting, all, all sports have this. They have this, this problem. So accessorize. Accessory, accessory, accessory. Or... You could do something even simpler. Don't buy them a sporting item. <laughs> See how easy that was? No, seriously, think about this. So what to do? So where to go? I'm one of these gift shop people. Now, I'm not a shopper, and, and I know most men aren't. That's not what we do. Most men go to get what they need. Okay, so I, 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 you know, I'm working on a project, and I need uh, a set of stainless steel screws with, uh, you know, with nuts and I, I got to get this done now and I need exactly four of them. So I go shopping and I go to the hardware store and I get exactly four. Um, <laughs> we, we don't browse, I guess is the best way, you know, browsing is just not cool. So, but go to a shop, go against the grain. That's Christmas. Come on now. Go to a local shop, a small shop, independently owned and operated, preferably, browse. I, I, I mentioned the word before, but I know that if you're a guy, you probably don't want to do that. If you're a gal, this is not a big issue. And that's okay. I'm not, I'm not drawing lines here between men and women. It's just different. I've been married for a long time and I know how my wife shops and I know how I shop and that's just the way it is. We don't want to browse ever. Unless, unless it's a tackle store, then all bets are off. Men will browse for hours in a tackle shop. 
Um, <laughs> same thing for hardware. I just mentioned that. I don't know what it is about hardware stores, but when I go in a hardware store, I pretty much walk every aisle. I, I got to see the whole thing. There's going to be something there that I have either forgotten that I was going to get, or I don't need, and I'm going to get it, or that I actually need. And that's pretty much the way hardware stores work. Well, tackle stores work the same way. Walking them all inside or out is not what floats most guys' boats. I get it. So suck it up, buttercup. You're going to have to go to a mall or do that as well to get the right gift for somebody. And you you kind of know this person. You know what they're up to. If they're into the sporting thing, you might be able to slide into that vein a little bit. But trying to find that exact thing for somebody in sporting sometimes means you need to shy somewhere else. There are One of the things about the keys that I love is there are gift shops everywhere. And there's tons of what do I call it? Weird and unusual things there. And when I say weird and unusual, I mean that in a good way, but it's just things you're not going to see anywhere else. I know it's the same way on the West coast of Florida in the small shops and the same thing on the East coast for that matter, Fort Lauderdale. And those areas also had a lot of these beachside gift shops. If you're Floridian and you're shopping for somebody up North, get them something from Florida. Get them a painted coconut. I mean, whatever. They, they're going to be grateful to get anything that looks like Florida or smells like Florida. You know, you just you just, just go that route. Um, I always get I get a big chuckle when I see sand in a bottle. I don't know. There's just something about that that cracks me up. Um, it's a mason jar, usually, you know, with a lid on it. And there's sand in it. And it says sand from wherever. And I think that is the dumbest thing ever. But it is one of the most purchased things at gift shops in Florida. People want a little piece of sand so they take it home. And the sand is probably not even from Florida in the jars. But <laughs> uh, anyway, we could go on and on about that. But, you know, painted coconuts, those are, those are kind of cool. At least I think they are. Let's see browsing. Oh, there's that word again. I, I, do, I'll, I say this. I do like browsing bookstores. Kind of hard not to, actually, for most people. Um, although you can go right to the interest interest area that you like, hobbies, fishing, (laughs) Um, history, like whatever it is you're into. Um, But I like doing that. And I like looking for gifts there for people that I know. Again, somebody you know well, someone that has certain interests that you know that they're all about. That's a great place to find stuff. Don't forget, bookstores have always got that thing out front, that table that's covered in the most unusual weirdness ever. The the books that either didn't sell, giant table books, things like that are discounted. And sometimes you'll find something really, really interesting in there. I like small, small, small gift shops with local trinkets. I kind of mentioned that in a way. Art shops. Ooh, art shops are good. Um... I'm crazy about many types of artwork, but mostly paintings and photo art. But, you know, you kind of know people like that. Something that I tend to do every single year is get somebody a plant, typically an orchid. Orchids are easy to come by. Phalaenopsis is one of the most popular orchids. It's easy to grow and easy not to kill. Um, I tend to get my mother those at Christmas time. She's probably going to listen to this podcast and go, oh, now I know what I'm getting. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's like... What's wrong with that? I mean, nice plant. So nostalgia. Yep. You know, um, tie dyed. (laughs) How about a lava lamp? That's right. They still make them. They do. And they're very cool. I have one in my office. I'm looking at it right now, which reminds me, you know, have you ever seen a desktop floating world? Ooh, 
it's kind of like a modern day lava lamp. It's mystifying. <laughs> okay, so the lava. Okay, so you young young people that listen, that you have no idea what I'm talking about. Look up lava lamp and do a live video one. Just go on YouTube and put lava lamp. It, back in the day, a hundred years ago, they came up with uh, putting a, an incandescent light bulb, which gives off heat, underneath a glass jar full of goo. And I'm not even sure what the goo is. But the goo becomes um, inert, stationary, hard. What it, well, it's soft, but it just sits. As soon as you apply heat to it, it starts to expand and move around like jello. And it floats in the water and it's just, I don't know, it's cool. That's <laughs> all I can say. It's just cool. And um, it comes in a multitude of colors. Uh, there's new designs and things like that. The fun part now is if the bulb goes out, trying to find an incandescent light bulb because you have to have heat underneath it. The new lava lamps, I think, are actually using a little miniature heater underneath to heat the heat the stuff up. But anyway, um, the floating globe... Uh, how do I, long story short, let's see, where did I, I oh, I know. Okay, so um, everybody needs, you know, you got to have your doctor, your dentist, your hairdresser, your barber, your accountant, your banker. Janelle and I were sitting in our banker's office up in Orlando. And on the desk, he had this weird globe, the, uh, the world, the, the our, our earth. There we go. I got it, earth. And it was floating. I mean, like floating. It's 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 rotating, but not touching anything. It's sitting above a base, and then above it, there's like this arch top that's up in the air, kind of like one of those desk lights, you know, that shine down on the desk. The world is floating in between that. And I thought to myself, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. They come in a multitude of sizes, I found out. His was very small. His was about, oh, I don't know. I'd say the world might, couldn't have been much larger than a grapefruit. But they make very big ones. Well, I was utterly fascinated with this thing. To me, that was the modern day lava lamp. This is, you know, the clacker balls. You've seen those things. You put them on the desk. You raise one. It hits the balls, and it and then it just eternally keeps going back. It's kind of like that, but quieter. And it's really just utterly fascinating. So I mentioned that, and lo and behold, my lovely wife at Christmas got me one. It's sitting in the kitchen now, on the kitchen counter, down like where the candles and stuff are, and it's just rotating away, and everyone that comes in, they go, what is that? <laughs> it's, it's a floating world. See, that would make a fantastic Christmas gift. By the way, available on Amazon. I don't know if you can find one in a shop, but I know you can get them on Amazon because that's where my wife got that. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you the two, what I consider to be two of the ultimate sporting accessories, all right? but can be used anywhere, anytime, and anything. Where you will see an awful lot of it in sports, but reality is you can do a lot more with it. Number one, the GoPro camera. They're not as expensive as they used to be. Gosh, when they first came out, I remember spending $4.95 a piece for these daggone things. And that didn't even include all the little accessories, attachments, clips, head mounts, and everything else you can imagine. And plus, they were good. They were really good, but they have gotten a lot better. Um, I made a huge jump, I guess a year ago, when I really started getting back into video again. Uh, I had a whole bunch of GoPro 3s, like 3 black, 3 silver, number 3, that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? They're all the way up to a number 11 now. <laughs> yeah. And last year, I bought a 9. So that shows you how fast this stuff is moving. But 
big, big changes in the GoPro. So let me just speak about it first and what it does. I'm sure you've seen it. You've, you've probably seen people using them. They're very easy to use, number one. They will easily do a much better job than your cell phone. Um, movies can be shot in various different modes, including a sporting speed mode. There's also slow-mo. Uh, there's also wide angle versus a standard angle. It's just all kinds of ways to shoot. This little dude will sit in the palm of your hand. It's it, There's nothing to it now. The old ones required a case to keep them waterproof. So you had to have this, this, um, this plastic case on the outside of them. Uh, and that's not something you, it, it, well, it was, it was a pain in the butts what it was in order to get to the camera, um, to take the chip out of it for the memory chip out and the battery swapping, you had to completely take it out of the case every time you did it. Not anymore. It, it is completely sealed. The camera itself is self-contained, completely sealed and waterproof. Um, I have had my nine underneath on the reefs out there snorkeling uh fishing dunking it under the kayak so people can see what it looks like underwater where i fish it's it's fantastic so um so the model nine is what is what i what i wound up with they're called the hero by the way hero model nine now it's the hero 11 um they've got a video monitor built into them now so you can actually see what you're doing you used not to be able to do that on the early ones you just you shot in the direction and hoped that you got it um have a touch screen on the back. You can actually make adjustments by simply touching the screen that's looking towards you out of this little bitty camera. And there are, again, there are a thousand accessories. You can think of any way you can think of mounting it, there's a way to do it. Um, I love mine. I love you shooting with it. It, it gives me, it, it, make, it gets me more intimate to my sport in the case of fishing and kayaking and being outside around beaches, snorkeling, diving, that kind of stuff. It's, just so, it's something I automatically pick up like I pick up the cell phone when I go out on one of my adventures. So that would make a super nice gift. And they're not horribly expensive. The basic camera, you can catch them on sale for $295. If you buy the latest model, if you buy like the 11, the brand new one, you're probably going to pay $395 for it. Um, if you back off and buy a 10 or a nine, which by the way, is going to be almost identical. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> I'm real happy with the nine. It takes beautiful pictures. Um, if you can find one that somebody has got on sale for 199 or, or 249, by all means, get it. I would think that, you know, the recipient would be thrilled. And especially if they're an outdoorsy type person, it would just be ideal. Um, they, and I mentioned earlier, you can also use this. Now, remember, you can do this for travel, uh, going to family events, meetings, uh, cultural events. I don't know, the fairgrounds, you know, what are the, it's one of these things you can drag around and just get super, super good video with it. Next idea. How about a drone? Oh, Lord, a drone. God, I remember when those things were so maligned. I remember when people were like, drones? Oh, they're privacy records. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, but anyway, I understand everybody has this, this weird thing going on about the privacy in, involving drones, but it's, I, I don't know. That's past, thank goodness. Aerial photography and videos, they have come way down in price for the everyday user, and the quality is very, very good. The, the original drones that I use, the, the more powerful DJIs, the big professional drones, were quite expensive, but were worth it in the early days because I was shooting a lot of video for my charters. I was doing charter representation, flying it over a sterile bay to give people an idea of how pretty and how beautiful it is out there. Um, 
And then I was commercially using it too. I got my commercial license and got my um, FAA license and used it for um, money. You know, it's kind of like being a captain. You can't, you can't charge people for charters unless you're carrying a captain's license in the state of Florida. It's very simple, similar to that with the FAA and drones. Uh, if you want to use one for money purposes to raise money or to make money, you're going to have to get an FAA certificate from them. Very complicated, tons of fun to go through all the rigmarole. But it's doable. The neat thing about the new drones is you don't have to have any type of licensing for the small ones that weigh less than, hang on, I wrote it down here to make sure I got it, 249 grams. There's some weird cutoff. It's one of those legal law things that somebody missed the boat on. And if the drone is tiny, then you don't have to worry about licenses. stuff. However, I would still be very, very careful. I'll get into a lecture about that in a minute. Um, they're easy to use. They don't take a lot of practice. Um, they're easy to control. Now, the remote controls make sense. I mean, they're joystick controllers, so you either push forward, go back, go up, go down, or circle around in circles. They have smart technology built into them. They know not to fly near an airport. They won't fly. They'll go up 25 feet, 50 feet in the air, and they'll just stop. They won't go anywhere. Um, they've got smart technology built in for government installations. And they, you can't fly it over that. Besides the fact it might get shot down, but, but you can't fly it over those anymore, even if you wanted to. Um, they have insurance programs from which you can get insurance. Um, the only thing that that you know I watch out for, you could fly it over a state park or a national park. That's not allowed. So just so you know, and you'll see signs up at locations, at, generally at parks, to let you know, hey, there's no drone flying here. You can get a special exemption um, if you're shooting TV stuff or, 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 or YouTube stuff as a presentation. Um, so you can apply for a one-day certificate for like a specific time to use the drone in the park, but you're going to have to go through a lot of hoops to get that accomplished. I look at it more as a, a fun tool to do really fun videos from, say, above your boat, above your kayak, at the beach, sunsets. I take a lot of sunsets with mine. It's just it's magical when you put it up in the air and do a sunset versus taking it standing on the ground. Um, so there's a lot of really cool things you can do. I now have a DJI Mini 2. That's the one I use. There's a Mini 3. Of course, there's a Mini 3. There'll be a Mini 4 by next year. Um, it's little bitty. It will fit in your pocket, in your shirt pocket. It's really cool. It folds all up, and it opens up into about, oh, I don't know, maybe an 8-inch diameter vehicle when it's getting ready to fly. Very simple to use. Very, very simple to understand. And you can actually get lessons and stuff on drones in a lot of cities and a lot of places, so you can look into that. Um, again, they weigh less than 249 grams, which is the legal weight where a drone has to be where a drone has to be licensed. Now, above that, it, you're going to have to license your drone with the FAA. Below that, you don't. Um, let's see what else. There was something else I was going to tell you about. Oh yeah, flying over water. Be careful. They don't float. <laughs> <laughs> okay, drones, drones have got, they, they're very, very smart now. So here's the deal. They GPS is what they do. They GPS their locations before they take off. And there's several steps that the drone will go through before you're even allowed to fly it. So for example, when you first buy one, there's a setup series that you have to do with it to let it know where it is. Um, and there may even be an update available online that you've got to plug the drone into your computer to get the update. Uh, through DJI. Very simple to do. It's not complicated, but it has to be done. Otherwise, it's not going anywhere. 
Once it's in the air, the GPS has a safety device built in that brings the drone back to you in an emergency. In other words, most emergencies would be you're not paying attention and your battery gets low or stops working. Um, so you have no connectivity now to the drone. The drone's still flying, okay? It's got a little bit of battery left, but your controller's gone dead on you. If there's a signal loss, something like that, the drone will fly right back to where it took off from. Now, that's great if you're standing on land. But if you're standing on a boat, that's not cool. Because <laughs> here's the deal. The boat drifts. The boat moves. The GPS location where you took off from is not where it's going to come. Well, no, it's exactly where it's going to come back to. And your boat won't be there. So it's real important that you understand flying over water. Stationary is good. Using a boat is very tricky, and you need to understand the movement of the drone and where it might wind up going back to. When I shot my pictures from my boat in Estero Bay, I would put the power pole down on the boat, and I would also stick it the bow. So in other words, put a pole in the bow and a pole in the stern so the boat did not move at all. That way, if there was an emergency or a problem or a loss of signal, the drone would come back and land right on the bow of the boat where it took off from. So that's just a, a little tidbit I like to throw out there before you start playing around with drones because it'll cause a serious problem if it comes back and the boat ain't there. An expensive problem. There you go. Two ideas, the GoPro and the drone. Uh, for the sportsman who seems to have everything and you just can't think of anything to get them. So hopefully this will help. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. My podcasts are scheduled for each and every Tuesday. If you enjoyed listening, please tell a friend, leave a review, and subscribe to the channel. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. The website's waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.